Rogers, decoding the crime verse. 911, what's your emergency? And welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Crime Verse. I am Danny, and I'm joined once again with Fearless Eagle. That is right. And today we are looking into the mystery of the Somerton Man. Nash, where is Somerton? <laughs> there in Somerton. <laughs> <laughs> what country? Okay, um, Somerton, Somerton, Somerton. Just guess. Mm, I'm thinking. Somerton. I didn't know either, by the way. So. Um, okay. I'm guessing Russia? No. Australia. Australia. Yeah. I was thinking ice type. Okay, never mind. Okay, so yeah. basically this is a 65-year-old mystery and it was a mysterious body found on a beach, okay? And no one has ever come close to identifying who the man actually is and how he died there are popular theories like that he killed himself or that he was a cold war spy mm, 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 and today nash and i are going mm. to see if we can discover what really happened to him dun, dun. i'm not gonna lie i was very intrigued in this case while doing the research <laughs> so first we'll look at the discovery of the body and it was discovered First seen at 7 p.m. on November 30th, 1948, by John Bain Lyons, Lyons, whatever. Lyons, yeah. Yes, and his wife, as they were taking an evening stroll on Somerton Beach, okay? And it is outside of Adelaide, Australia, so it's just outside Adelaide. They noticed a man lying against a seawall about 50 to 60 feet away from them. And his legs were crossed in front of him and his right arm was lifted weakly before dropping it back down again. So he must have kind of been a little bit conscious Mm. at this point. And the couple just assumed that he was drunk and was attempting to smoke a cigarette and they left on their way this is like the the story of the good samaritan the bible the, they, they saw the man and they just walked away hey, hey, hey. <laughs> because then guess what there was another couple walking the beach half an hour later and they again saw the man in a s- similar position this time they both noticed that the man wasn't moving at all despite mosquitoes swarming his face mm. but again they simply assumed that he was drunk and moved on Ay, 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 ay. Okay. <laughs> hey. Mm-mm. It then turned out that years later, so in 1959, a third witness came forward to reveal a story who said he had been on the beach hours before in the morning mm-hmm. and he claimed mm-hmm. to have seen a man carrying an unconscious man over his shoulder heading towards the spot on Summerton where they found the body. And it was dark, so he didn't describe what either of the men looked like. Yeah. Because they couldn't see the man. Yes. Then what happened was, so the first guy who he walked with his wife and then went home, came back later on in the day. And he saw everyone kind of clustered around the seawall. And he then realized, 
oh, maybe he wasn't just drunk, he's actually <laughs> dead. And he immediately called the police. Aye, 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 aye. So, first of all, let me tell you how he looked. Okay, first, if you Google a picture, Nash, it's quite freaky. I'm not even going to lie. I'll show you a picture. He looked like that. You can Google a picture for those of you at home. Is that not freaky? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, uh, Is it not like what on earth? Uh, the, the guy looks like... Right? He was about 1.8 meters with gray eyes. He had this mousy ginger color and to his hair. He was estimated to between, be between 40 and 50 years old. He was 75 to 80 kilos. He was missing 18 teeth. Yeah. Two of his lateral incisors, which mostly never grew because he had a genetic defect. He had okay. small scars on his wrist, left forearm and left elbow, and his hands and feet were clean and callous-free, indicating that he didn't do manual labor. So, I mean, he was also found in a suit on the beach. Who is going to the beach in a, in a suit. First of all, imagine the sand getting in your socks. Uh, uh, I can't even. I don't even like sand in my flip flops. <laughs> my shoes. No, thank you. So we'll move on to the initial investigation and the autopsy. So he was taken to the Royal Adelaide Hospital, and Dr. John Barclay Bennett. Hey, my cousin's surname is Bennett. Examined the body and procreated proclaimed the time of death to be no sooner than 2 a.m. based on the stages of rigor mortis. So, interesting fact, in calculus in my first year of varsity, we learned how to use calculus and one of Newton's laws to work out time of death. Time of okay. using the temperature of the outside and the temperature of the body, and then you, there's this whole calculus equa- equation, mm. and you get the time of death. It was pretty cool. I won't lie. Hmm. Okay. Okay. The items in the man's possessions were catalogued, so he had a unused train ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, yeah. a bus ticket from Adelaide to Glenegg, a pack of juicy fruit chewing gum some Bryant May matches, an aluminum comb, a pack of Army Club cigarettes. However, they contained a different type of cigarettes, which was a much more expensive brand called the Kensitas. Yeah, we'll go with Kensitas. Right, we'll go with Kensitas. So basically saying that the box didn't match the brand that was inside. So if you open mm. a Coke bottle and there's Fanta inside, yeah. kind of like that. So the man was also smartly dressed in a suit and heeled shoes, but the maker's labels had been snipped out of the clothes. He wore a knit pullover and a double-breasted coat, again, strained tire for a beach trip. Who's going to the beach in a coat? Mm. But he was missing a hat, which was also strange for the 1948 because hats were very much in fashion. And Mm. he had one pocket in his trousers that had been torn and neatly repaired with orange thread. So, one of the, the theories was that he was poisoned so the obviously the full autopsy happened the following day in more Mm. detail and it showed that the man's legs muscles were noted during the autopsy as he had very high and toned 
legs and his feet were oddly pointed. They believed it meant he'd worn high-heeled shoes or pointed shoes for ones that would have been worn if you were a ballet dancer. Hmm. Who knows, he might have been... A ballet dancer. A ballet dancer. They might have been <laughs> dancing Swan Lake and uh, the Nutcracker, for all we know. It was also noted that his pupils were smaller than normal. His spleen was three times its usual size and firm. The liver was distended with congested mm. blood, and his stomach contained more blood along with the remains of a pastry. Sure. These observations obviously strengthened the poisoning hypothesis, but... They could find no trace of poison in his system. Hmm. They were astounded. They were like, they actually do not know what could have killed him. Hmm. The mystery then deepened as it became evident that this was not just a simple case of a man dying on a beach. Mm. Police took a full set of fingerprints and circulated them throughout English-speaking countries, but got nothing. Photos were published in newspapers Nothing. And no one came in to identify the body. Mm. This man did not seem to exist on official records. Nor did anyone come looking for him. And all leads were exhausted. So this man could be... Who knows? He could have <laughs> been Hitler's grandchild's nephew, for all hey, we know. Hey, we hey. wouldn't know. Hey, okay. Hey, hey. He was also found... You remember they found him with that bus ticket and the train ticket. Mm. They then tracked that back and they worked their way to a train station. Mm. Okay. So another interesting clue was that a brown suitcase had been deposited at the Adelaide Railroad Station's cloakroom on November the 30th. Okay. And never picked up again. And mm. on January the 12th, so there's often with these things when you like leave things in like lockers and stuff, there's like a, a time where if you don't come and collect and the stuff, they, they just yeah. get rid of it. Mm. So this time period had now ceased. And so they decided, okay, we're going to just get, rid of, get rid of it. Yeah. However, the context actually yielded some promising items. Mm. It had a reel of rare orange barber thread which is not found in Australia, okay, and it was sure. in the suitcase, and it matched perfectly to Go the on. thread in his pocket. <laughs> Do you know? Remember I said his pocket was torn mm. and sewn. Mm. Okay. And the luggage had been dropped off a day before the body was discovered. So mm. they were certain that the suitcase belonged to, to, him. to him. Yeah. Further investigation mm. actually was a bit disappointing as because they could... They couldn't tell who it belonged to because any label or anything was cut off or scratched off, okay? Yeah, yeah. There was a tag, though, left with T. Keen. However, they didn't believe the person's name was <laughs> T. Keen. And the reason they didn't believe this is because often during the war times, things were repurchased and secondhand mm. and... Because yeah. it kind of looked very old and it also had looked like there'd been another like label stuck over it. Mm. They believed that he'd maybe bought the suitcase from somebody else yeah. and that and that the, this person wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. There were so many things inside um, the suitcase, the suitcase yeah. but it didn't give 
any details as to oh, yeah. who the man was and what he was doing. Okay. And so there was records that the, the train station had uh, like bathrooms and yeah. they kind of pieced together that he had gone to the bathroom because they like literal showers. You could go and use them. Mm. They'd pieced together at about 11 a.m. on the day before he was found. He'd used one of these bathrooms. So they kind of now had more of a, a like time yeah, frame. Yeah, they yeah. thought he came to the station, dropped off the suitcase, got a, had a shower and then went wherever he is before heading to the beach. Mm. Now, four months later, and <laughs> we still have absolutely nothing. Sure. And the case actually takes quite a twisting turn. <laughs> okay. And they decided to re-examine the body. And they then pr- noticed that there was actually a smaller pocket hmm. that had been sewn into the waistband of the man's trousers, most likely to hold a pocket watch or hmm. something like that. And it contained a slightly rolled piece of paper hmm. inscribed with Tam Man Shud. That is probably Latin or something. I don't know, but don't come at me because I don't know what it is. Okay. And they actually were able to immediately know where this came from mm. because there was a 12th century book of poetry called the Rubiyat of Omar Khayyam. Mm-hmm. And it was very popular during Australia during the war, especially a translation by Edward Fitzgerald. Taman Shud was a Persian phrase, oh, Persian, not Latin, I'm so sorry. A Persian phrase that closed the final page of the book, which translated to it is ended or the end. Okay. And now it's found in a dead man's pocket. I'm sorry, guys. This is like, what? Okay. The discovery caused quite a stir because this is where the suicide theories came into place. Like he he knew he was going to go and take his own life. Sure. The case seemed closer than ever to a resolution. The suitcase had been found. His movements were getting clearer and it looked like he had planned his death. Mm. But then, plot twist, no. The police started to search libraries for the copy of this book. Mm. And the reason why it was so special is the type... Set so the mm. type set is kind of like the font and the uh, how the words are placed on the page and stuff like yeah. that, and nothing turned up. Okay, <laughs> they could they yeah. they looked in libraries and stuff right. like that because it turned out that this piece version of the book was like kind of in a sense like a special edition. Mm. If that makes sense, like it had a, it wasn't like the normal font that was yeah. in all the library books. Yeah. yeah. But on July 23rd, 1949, the book was finally found. A man from the town of Glenegg, which is slightly north of Sompton Beach, bought a copy to the Adelaide police. And the last page, which contained the phrase, Tam Amshud, was torn out. And the font <laughs> matched perfectly to the, the scrap of paper. And detectives then decided to take another, 
to look for another copy of this book, but none seemed to have existed. So how is it that this man contained a completely unique copy of such a popular book? You, you see, like, it's just the most random <laughs> clues that I would love to know how they all tie together. <laughs> so they examined it closely and they kind of found two telephone numbers listed on the back cover <laughs> and kind of these like faint <laughs> impressions of other lines, which they believed when they put ultraviolet lights on with like these five lines of letters and mm. they kind of figured it must be a code of some sort. Mm. Mm. And starting at the beginning, the police called both numbers listed in the book. One mm. led to a bank and one led to a nurse who lived mm. very mm. near to the beach. She denied having any knowledge of the case, but she did admit to giving a copy of this book to a man named Alfred Boxall. Yeah, cool. She was an army nurse. Her name was Jessica during the war. And Boxall was an officer. And she gave him a book when they met in the hospital. Hmm. And it inscribed in it one of the verses of poetry she had signed with her nickname, Justin. Justine. Justine, yes. yeah. The police decided that the unknown man must be Alfred. <laughs> but were disappointed when they found out Alfred is very much alive and hey. still had the copy that Jessica had Jeez. given him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Jessica was then brought into the station to view the body. Upon seeing the, the body, she was completely taken aback to the mm. point of giving the appearance she was about to be faint. She clearly recognized him, but continued to deny that she had a connection with him. Mm. The officers were then like, okay, well, we're not getting anywhere. And they decided to turn to the code. With only four short lines to work with, it proved impossible to crack. Hey. Naval intelligence tried to decipher it, and it was posted in the newspaper for like amateur sleuths to try and crack it. Mm. But despite everyone's efforts... It just ended nowhere. Agreed. <laughs> so that's kind of all the facts that were surrounding the case. It has still not been solved. And there are two theories that mm. we're going to go mm. into. And at the end, we're going to choose which theory we think is more plausible. So the first theory is the suicide theory. Obviously, there is the note, which literally wrote the end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so hey. that kind of is yeah. like... Yeah, and the, the whole apparently the whole book was about poems focusing on living life to its fullest and not being sorry when it's over. Lived his life right to the fullest. Okay, he also had no significant bruises or injury or defensive wounds, which are normally present when someone is being killed because you are mm. fighting for your life. Okay, Defense. and the pastry that made up his final meal contained no poison, mm. and it seemed that whatever the cause of death was must be then self-inflicted, not administered through force or secretly poisoning his food. Mm. Assuming then that the death was suicide, why did he do it? So now we go back to our nurse, Jessica. Hey. In later interviews it and investigations, it turned up many interesting details about the woman formerly known as Justine. In interviews with the police, she claimed to be married and gave her last name as Johnson. However, marriage records were like, huh, it's a different story. <laughs> Jessica was dating 
a man named Prestige Johnson, but Prestige Johnson was technically still married mm-hmm. and waiting for his divorce to go through. Then Jessica mm-hmm. became pregnant in 1946 and moved in with her parents. And in 1947, she moved to Gleneg and took her future husband's last name and her son was born in July of 1947. Hmm. It was until three years later in May 1950 that Prestige's divorce was finalized and the two of them actually got married. Jessica claimed the son was Prestige and the two raised them as their own. However, there is a speculation that Jessica was not only seeing Prestige and she had some guys on the side. Hmm. Jessica had admitted to giving Alfred Boxall the copy of the book, as we said in the war, mm. over drinks. Okay, at a Clifton Garden hotel in 1945. She became pregnant in 1946. Okay, and the theory was that she was not, she was seeing more than one person. So she was seeing Prestige and she was seeing Alfred. And they then believed that maybe. Our mystery man was another one of her suitors. Hmm. She was mm-hmm. described by police to actually be a very beautiful woman. So they mm. didn't like see it as not a possibility that she had people chasing after her. Mm. Jessica's neighbor also mentioned that there was a guy who had come knocking looking for her hey. recently. Okay. okay. And the theory goes that she found her and played his case and she was like, no, I don't want. Hey. And then in a fit of despair, he wandered to the beach. We took a vial of poison he had prepared in case such occasion had occurred, collapsed, convulsed and vomited, and then dragged himself and lay down on the beach dying. One of the, the, the pieces of evidence that support this theory is a photo of Jessica's son showing his teeth and his ears. If you remember from the autopsy, I spoke about the fact that he had missing teeth, specifically the two lateral incisors mm. due to the, the birth defect. Apparently, only 2% of the population have this defect. Mm-hmm. And it was clear from the photos that, because he also had, uh, the mystery man also had a defect with his ears. Mm. It was clear from the photos, Jessica's son clearly had both defects. Mm. Which is a one in ten thousand, ten million chance of having. Okay, I see. Right. Our second theory is that he was a spy and it was espionage and the Cold War. <laughs> so it was believed he was murdered over a piece of intelligence. The Australian government had recently established their own secret service, kind of like FBI vibes, you know, Mm. and it was in South Australia uh, in a place called Woomera. And based on train schedules and timelines of the man's mystery man's last day, he could have easily taken a train from Woomera and arrived in Adelaide, in time to check in his luggage Hmm. and shower and then head to the beach. Okay. The disappearing poison certainly sounds like something a military would be developing for an espionage network. Was it a secret chemical weapon the government had developed? How he, but then this puts into question how the poison was administered because there was no needle marks and stuff Mm. like that. 
But remember, I told you the pack of cigarettes were different from the cigarettes mm. inside. So were his cigarettes replaced and laced with poison? Hectic. <clears throat> okay. okay. Another thing is that the fact that he had no f fingerprints, well, when they scanned it, the mm. fact that no one came after him, because, I mean, if he is a secret agent, then, then no one it's is... Gonna be hard to it's going to mm, be... They often, mostly secret agents don't have family and connections for the specific mm. reason exactly. And, of course, mm. there's the whole thing of the code, the, the cipher that was in the back of the book. And intelligence officials and official and professional code breakers have said it is definitely a code and it's not, you know, because sometimes just, people are just scribble in a book. So it's mm. definite, it wasn't, it was definitely a code. It wasn't something just scribbled down or mm. the markings of a madman. Yeah. Okay. However, the police lost the copy of the book. How did you lose a copy of the book? Yeah. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then another thing that people pointed out was the fact that this, remember I told you it was completely unique and no other bookshops or libraries had this edition. Mm. Was it then a one-time print that was used between the spy rings to use for codes? Because mm. often what they said, what they thought the code was, was you know when you like have 334 and you go to the fourth page and you read the mm. third line, something like that. Mm. So it was kind of like that. Okay, and then the, finally there was the matters of that his clothes and possessions had all been stripped of any identification mm. so that no one would know who he was. So, personally, mm. I love the spy <laughs> theory. I think it's so cool because the 1950s and 40s and things like that were very much time of spies i mean that's how the whole james bond 007 came mm. about i mean the author used the whole cold war to bring about this and i mean there were sleeper agents placed everywhere and hey, hey. there were spies everywhere and so for me that i think is my favorite theory i think it's pretty cool i mean it just makes sense with the mm. no fingerprints mm. the no one coming to look for him the codes the uh i just i just think it's so freaking cool <laughs> <laughs> so i'm on the side that it was espionage Mm. I get mm. the one I also do see the this whole suicide one mm. but I think if I'm being honest because they did name two poisons that are untraceable but I kind of was like what person just knows those poisons especially when you're just a civilian okay I see where you're going like mm. if you're committing suicide Number mm. one, why take something that's not going to leave a trace? Because then how people... No, like you, you see... What are you, you, you know, you're not trying to hide mm. anything. So for me, the fact the poison was undetected is a little bit of a fishy one. Because, I mean, if, if, if he really just wanted to kill himself, why not just pop some pills, you know? Um. <laughs> why go all the way to find a poison that's undetectable? <laughs> okay, I hear you. You get my point. Mm. And I love the whole theory of it being inside the cigarettes. 
I think it was there. Because mm. the cigarette, they said when they found the body, this, the cigarette was even found lying on. Mm. Mm. And I think maybe they didn't think to check that for poison. Yeah, probably. Because also remember, happen. this is the 40s. <laughs> yeah, also technology mm. and all those stuff. Mm. Yeah, in mm. terms of things. I just, I just, I think the spy theory is just so much cooler. I mean, also like the fact that would explain why he's in the 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 suit on the beach. <laughs> I think it was a combination. And a rare, the rare orange thread. Maybe he was traveling on a spy mission and found the. Bought somewhere rare orange thread that's not found in Australia. <laughs> if you were a spy, mm. okay, no, so this is why I think it was both, me. You think it was both? You mm. think the spy killed himself? Yeah, I think he was a spy, mm. but he also killed himself. Yeah. And the reason why I think that, you know, he was a spy and then on the mission and. Yeah, on his journey in terms of his mission, he sees this person that he likes. And then, the oh, whole, so he fell in love when he wasn't supposed to him. fall in love. Yeah, so she knew him, but she denied any connection. So it's like that thing when a spy goes, like a spy goes to seduce the person, and then actually falls in love with the person. <laughs> I don't know if you watched mm, movies like that. So. Ooh, okay, now I'm th even thinking other stuff. Ew, ew, Maybe ew, she ew. was the target. And yeah, people didn't know that she was the target. Hey, like, it's hectic out here. you out here saving people's lives when they want people dead. So now you become the target. They need to ew. get rid of you. Nash, you but, like these okay, funny before, things. <laughs> before even that one. But I, I think he was a spy. But he, mm -hmm. he took his life because he probably liked her. And probably even approached her, which explains why, like, with the book, the page is missing and he knew of the stuff and, mm. yeah. And then okay, I'm so sorry, but I, 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 I'm sticking with the spy. I'm sticking that it was espionage and he was killed by an enemy agent and they planted the poison in the cigarettes. And he just was on the beach one day and then next thing... Okay, bye -bye, the love out. story part. Okay, no, the love story part stays. Nash, you're the wackest. No, 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 no. The love story stays. His people killed him because they saw this guy is being distracted here. Yo, so more focused on the yo, mission. No way, that's, and he knows that's too a, much. That's a good one. Mm, that's a good mm, one. You see? He knows too that's much. That's a good and one. He's not focused. So now we need to do something about this. Hmm. Hence why and maybe then she was quiet about her son because she knew if they knew it was her, his son, they would also go after him. Mm, you see? Ew, 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 ew. <laughs> the deepness. Yeah. Mm. It, is, it is the facts. That's why the suitcase ended up dead or tickets and all this. Yeah. You never know. Maybe someone was sent. So maybe he was visiting his son and they were like, um, sorry. And mm. then... But she was so scared of ever admitting it because she was then fearing for her and her son's life. That's why she claimed that it was the other guys. Yep. And he, she was marrying the other guy for protection. So it just kind of looked, you know, I'm going with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> he was a spy who fell in love mm. and then was killed yeah. because he did things he was not supposed to do. Yep. So that is the case of the Somerton man. Yeah, yeah. 
We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I thought it was so fascinating. A man like on the beach in his clothes, no cause of death, no identity. I mean, what Secret more? Notes. What more can you want from a case? Yo, 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 yo. Honestly, Honestly. later there's a note coming out. Books, banks. Yeah. Nurses. We love it. We love to see it. Uh, but that is all that we have for you this week. We will see you next time. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye. At FM, radio has never, ever been better. Haven't you heard? It's the Netflix of radio.